You are listening to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast, with your hosts, Abriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. I want to start off every episode with something, you know, going on in your life or, or something that you are just thankful for at this moment. So if everybody wants to share, I can, we can do that. Everybody game for that? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can go first. I'm sure you've seen on Facebook, one of my little books was published yesterday um, on Amazon. So I'm so thankful for that opportunity and the ability to, to share stories with the world, pretty much. Excellent. And that's another topic I'd like to talk to you about sometime. So. Oh, yeah. Cool. Definitely. The publishing part of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Right. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so what are you thankful for? Which one of us, me? Or yeah, Jill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, a really tough last year, um, right before, um, well, November of last year, I lost my job. And then my mom ended up in the hospital for a month. And she's, and that's why I'm tired is because of caregivers and not getting sleep, but um, she's getting better, and I'm going to start working again. And I also have a product I invented that I had been selling when the recession hit. And so, you know, the recession hit, and I had to go out of business, but um, it got licensed, and so it's about to be redistributed. All right, Caitlin, what are you thankful for? I am thankful that right now I'm feeling a lot better than I was earlier. I've been having some stomach issues, and I haven't been feeling too well. But in this moment, I feel fine. So I'm very thankful for that. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're feeling better. Jill, if you want to just start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're located, your current horse, if you have one, and the discipline that you enjoy. Yeah, um, I'm in Centerville, Ohio, and I. <coughs> the other thing that's thankful about this whole thing is throughout this whole time, I've been able to keep all four of my horses. I have three at home, two Tennessee walking horses and one saddlebred, and then I have a saddlebred in training in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And um, discipline is saddle seat, obviously. Well, not obviously, but saddle seat, um, although... I've shown my walking horses, um, dressage also. Oh, interesting. Yes. That's pretty cool. How did you get into horses? Um, That's an interesting story. I um, had, as a kid, um, went to camp and was put on a horse for, my dad played pro basketball and I was put on a horse um, for publicity shots at camp and got bucked off. (laughs) <laughs> but they made me get back on because they needed the photos. So they wiped my tears and put me back on the whole pictures for the newspaper. I started reading um, books about horses and like every horse in the world. And I had, I was convinced that, you know, I was going to get a Morgan. And um, after years of asking my parents for horses um, for every birthday and every Christmas and not getting one, um, when I was in medical school, I had ulcerative colitis, and um, 
you know, decided that I got really sick and had emergency surgery and, and realized that life is too short. Mm-hmm. And so I um, started writing in medical school. Um, just kind of, I would say catch writing. I looked in a classified ad in while well, I was in Vermont and literally ended up in a pasture on a three-year-old green broke thoroughbred just thrive. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what it, whatever it takes. <laughs> right, right. It doesn't need to be bucked off again, you know, just to remember what it was like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, ended up transferring medical schools to Ohio State. And ironically, one of the associate deans had a farm where she bred and had horses and had a trainer. And um, I started going out to her barn, and it was a saddlebred barn. And um, would refuse to ride the lesson horse because it didn't, it was, I didn't want to have to beat something to go forward. And, and Jules was really, he was 30 years old. He didn't, didn't have any get up and go. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was like, okay. So because she thought my father was going to buy me one of her horses, um, she let me ride one of her young um, horses. And I, my first year I got bucked off seven times. Because she was a bucker. Yeah. And um, so yeah. I didn't care. I just, <laughs> and I was 32 in that when I started riding, um, for real. That's awesome. Uh, so did your dad end up buying you one of her horses? No, no. no. <laughs> I, ended, I ended up buying me. Um, I worked, you know, I was in grad school. I had transferred um, from medical school to grad school. Mm-hmm. and um was work i was i like worked everywhere i could to earn money to buy a horse and the first horse i bought was um sent to the barn and i i ended up on the ground with him um like well it was my fault but um um once and um his name was sweet virginia breeze and i had him um the first year and he had some foot hoof issues the first year Second year, I was showing up at River Ridge, and this was, I'd been riding for not very long, and we were in the warm-up ring at Ohio State Fair grounds, and Breeze was, he would, he would rear and swirl and everything he could in the warm, jump, leap, whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, they would just throw me in the ring, and the guy who owned, who had sold him to us, to me, um, he like tr- was next to my trainer when I went in the ring. He goes, "Oh my goodness!" She, he said, "We couldn't get him in the ring." And it was we was his wife, who was his assistant trainer, had been riding him, and they couldn't get him in the show ring. So um, he would go in fine, but as soon as they closed the gate, he would either run backwards, take off, stop dead. It, it was it didn't matter. There was some way that Breeze was not going to make it through the class. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up with um, switching horses, trading, trading, and getting a horse that um, I had for a long time. Oh, well, that's nice. Did that's he tell me to you understanding that you wanted him to show? <laughs> I was told he was a ten and under walk trot horse. Uh huh. Yeah, he'll walk walk and trot somewhere. <laughs> but <not in> the <laughs> he did do those gates, but it was he had several other tricks up his sleeve. Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure that made you a much better rider. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fergie, who used to buck me off, made me fearless, so, mm-hmm. yeah. 
I, and you know, it was funny because I thought it was me, you know, because I was inexperienced. So I thought the problems I had were, were just me. And then um, when I found out they couldn't get them in the ring, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you you improved. You at least got in there. <laughs> That so that cool. was my introduction to horses. Jill, how long did you do saddle beat? That's all I've done, basically. Um, you know, I've, um, I, while I was doing saddle seat, because, you know, I don't know if you know anything about saddlebreds. I don't. But <laughs> they are bred to be high energy. Um, they're, they're so much fun to ride. But, you know, because all their energy is upwards, um, you know, I, I used to go and ride. A friend of mine, when I was in grad school, would come to my barn and, and we'd ride. And then um, I'd go to, he was an inventor. And there was a trainer at her barn who, I mean, he was, probably had to be like 80 years old. And he would, oh, you ride those shaky tails. You can ride something. What do you want to ride? And he put me on green horses to ride and, and thoroughbreds and whatever was in the barn that he wanted worked instead of him having to work it. Um, and so that's kind of, I, and I worked a friend of mine's Western pleasure horse when I lived in Minnesota. So I basically have ridden anything possible. Um, I've ridden Percherons, I've ridden, you know, quarter horses. I had a quarter horse for a little bit. Um, I hate Western saddles, but, um, you know, the whole time I've been, you know, saddle seat is my preference. Um, so what, what exactly uh, is saddle seat? yeah, what exactly does that discipline entail? Um, it's it's a type of saddle. Um, it's a cutback saddle, and it's a flat saddle, no leg rolls, nothing. Um, you know your standard iron stirrups, but it's it's very flat um, relative to other saddles, and you sit in it more like a chair um, than on your pelvis per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're usually, you show usually horses like Arabians are often shown saddle seat. Morgans are often shown saddle seat. And then saddlebreds are shown saddle seat. And the saddle type of saddle is called a cutback saddle. Oh, okay. Okay. I remember um, kind of looking for one like that for my walking horse just because someone recommended it, um, like cutback yeah. uh, saddle pads or or a cutback saddle if I wanted to try like a more English saddle. Yes. Um, but I, I didn't know that that was kind of primarily for that discipline. Yeah, it's, it's for mostly show horses that an English show horse pretty much. Um, and yes, the cutback that, you know, you would have used for a walking horse would have been, uh, for, you know, saddle seat. That is pretty cool. So you talked about, you know, going into the show ring. What, what was your experience kind of in the show ring, like the scope of everything you've done? You know, I started, you know, showing pretty much almost immediately and show, I've shown all over the country um, saddlebreds and then walking horses in Tennessee and in Arizona and Wisconsin. Well, oh, actually in the Midwest too. I've shown padded, my horse, both my walking horses were at one point padded. Um, and then I showed them flat shod in standard rail classes, and I've shown them gated dressage and, you know, showed saddlebreds all over the country because, you know, with my job, I moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I've been, you know, shown saddlebreds all over. For showing with show horses, it's, people think it's pretty boring because we go, just go around in a circle, but a lot of it is 
riding the horse so that it's kind of, especially with saddlebred, so that they're on that edge without going over. So, you know, you want them to be very animated and energetic and bright. Same with, mm-hmm. you know, with walking horses too, showing. You want them to be kind of at their top peak right. without kind of right. going over. So sometimes it's harder, you know, when you go into show ring on a horse, you know, that, that you're, you know, I had that my second horse, I call it my second first horse, um, which was, you know, Breeze being the first one, which was impossible to show but versus um, Jack, mm-hmm. who um, he had, he was truly had been an, a, a three-gated equitation horse. And so, um, you know, with the roached mane and everything, and he was, didn't flat walk, um, which is kind of the, the you know, shows how um, energetic they are. And he was very high energy. He loved to show. And so every time we'd have to be either the first one or the last one in the ring. Yeah. Because he did not wait for other go in. He just plowed through them. So if we went in first, that was, you know, fine because we didn't have anyone in front of us. Um, if he was last, they basically, the trainer, and um, then when everybody was in, we'd turn around and go in and he would sit the gate, just basically sit down on his back end and, and like go like, and then leap forward. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. So, yeah, he is fun. And then, go ahead. I was just saying, that's pretty funny. Yeah. And um, my stallion, walking horse stallion, when he was padded, he, I ended up with him in a weird way, but he was one of those horses that like other people couldn't show. And he was the same way where the first time I showed him, he would stand, you know, walking horses, the padded walking horses, they go in the ring and they stop to wait until everyone else is in the ring. That way they're not being judged while other horses are coming in the ring. And the whole time, PJ was standing at the rail, just, you know, prancing up, you know, front legs going up and down and up and down and up and down. And, and the only thought I had, because this was like, I didn't know a lot about showing walking horses. And this was the only thought that went through my head was, oh, my goodness, one of us isn't, has to be in control. And I guess it's not going to be him. So, yeah. <laughs> so he loves, and he still is like that. He's, he's 19 now. He still loves to show. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. as a, I mean, as a minority on two accounts, you know, being a woman and being, you know, a non-white show person. Yes. What challenges have you, if any, um, you know, faced? I mean, traveling across the country, you you meet a ton of different people. Yeah. Have there been any challenges that you've faced kind of in that industry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, there have been good things. You know, one of the things when I first started showing, I was showing in Ohio. I was in grad school at Ohio State. And at the time, there were several black um, trainers, saddlebred trainers, and they were always at the rail for me. Mm-hmm. And when I came out of the ring, they'd give me advice. And, and you know, they weren't my trainer, but they were always there for me. And they on the rail. And it was wonderful you know, around, you know, different, Minnesota, nothing, you know, I didn't have problems in Minnesota. And then I, when I moved to Tennessee, it was funny because it wasn't so much that, you know, there were some kind of funny things where, you know, one day I was in the barn and, and our barn was in rural, rural Tennessee. And um, the, I was in there one day waiting for my trainer to get back from lunch and some, you know, older gentleman came in and he was, he asked me if, 
um, I knew where my trainer's dad was, and I said, no, I'm just waiting for Shay to get back so I can ride my horse. And he's, you have a horse? <laughs> like, um, yeah. Let me see it. Let me see it. You know, it was kind of this, how can you possibly have a horse? And, you know, what kind of dog of a horse do you have? So that was like really the first time I ever experienced anything kind of racist, shall I say. Um, and it wasn't so much malicious as much as just an expectation. Mm-hmm. And I am, um, yeah, and then showing, you know, the area, you know, when you're showing in Tennessee and you're showing walking horses, I was the only female that showed in a lot of my classes. And I was certainly the only black female that showed in the circuit that I was showing in. So, you know, you kind of, I was never expected to win, but PJ was such a nice horse that I won a lot, but they would make us work, you know, we'd have to work for it. And so there are classes where I'd come out of the ring and it's like, you were not supposed to ruin that class because they just had us going for so long, hoping that PJ would mess up. Mm-hmm. But it was actually the, the environment was really in it, really a warm, you know, environment um, because people, they were there for the horse. Right. And so, you know, strangers, you know, would come up to me and congratulate me. And PJ was such a nice padded 15 to an under horse that people would, um, you know, come to the ring to watch him show. So it was really nice from that perspective. And then I, when I moved to Wisconsin and I took his pads off, I was in a barn where it was actually very horrible. The people were rude to me. I literally had a woman come up to me and I was standing in, PJ was in the cross ties, <coughs> excuse me, and she came in with her friend, introduced her friend to my horse. And completely ignored you. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was really weird, but you know, it was just this, you know, they, they, they were just rude and mean to me and I think you know part of it was because I had you know at the time I had three horses and you know again it comes down to expectations because they could barely afford the ones they had mm-hmm. um I had with the flat shot walking horses I would probably say was the worst group of people um I was at a sh- nationals one year and these people I was still with the same barn because they were the only barn in Wisconsin that was you know competing and they, um, <clears throat> everyone, they, like, I didn't talk to them. Um, I got, you know, one, once we were at, in Wilmington, Ohio, we were driving back, and I got yelled at for talking to other people. I'm like, you guys don't talk to me. Why wouldn't I? You know? Right. Um, you know, we stay within our barn. I'm like, well, I don't. <laughs> right. Um, and then one year at Nationals, it was, you know, PJ was, um, quote, unquote, lame. And so I wasn't showing and um, they left me at the hotel wow. and yeah, there was just a bunch of, they were just really rude. And then in the show ring, um, we were at Murfreesboro at nationals and I went through my class and the only thing that was out of the ordinary PJ was really good, except for we were coming around a corner and everybody in that corner stood up and cheered <clears throat> and PJ jumped off the rail and went right back to the rail afterwards. You know, he just kind of spooked and I put him back on the rail. I got in the lineup and the ringmaster of me and she's kind of glaring at me. And, and she's, then she said, you need to excuse yourself. And I'm like, um, why? 
And my trainer's daughter was sitting next to me and I'm like looking at her too. It's like, what? And she goes, you need to give, you, you need to excuse yourself. Your horse's tongue is over the bit and it's very dangerous. And I'm, I'm like, he's just standing here. Right. And she, she's, you need to excuse yourself. You need, and I'm, and eventually it's just, she would not leave me alone. So, you know, I went to the, you know, I excused myself, got to the gate and my trainer says, what's the problem? And I said, she says, PJ's tongue is over the bed. And she checked, it was not. And she, like, she just started puffing because she knew that there was something else that was going on. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, one of like, and really that group of people were the worst group of people from that perspective. And then recently, you know, when I was in Arizona, um, again, it was the, I have three horses and you're struggling to pay for yours. Um, I got asked to leave a barn and told that I was not appropriate to have around kids because I swore at the trainer for not blanketing my horse when it was 30 degrees in Arizona. Um, and every other horse in the barn was blanketed. I used to come in and blanket horses for them because I live close and they just didn't blanket my horses. Um, and the other, there were some mothers that were struggling and struggling to take, you know, their, their kids and horses and stuff. And they wanted me gone. Yeah. So yeah. they, they kind of did that whole, you know, ganging up. You, on. You know, and, um, and then a barn up here, it was a similar kind of situation where I had more horses like in the, the people, it was mostly the people that worked there. And it's like, supposedly she has a horse in Kentucky and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, I bet her, horse, you know, dogs and blah, 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 blah. And then when I moved them there, they were even angrier because, you know, they weren't, you know, <laughs> horses. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that I could ride and that I had more saddles and all this stuff. And, you know, it was just, I'm like, I'm a senior mom. What would you expect? You guys are lesson instructors and grooms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I found gum in my helmet. Um, they were constantly my stuff. When I left there, um, you know, I had had my blankets hanging on the stalls because it had cooled, uh, warmed up a little. When I got, got them home, the leg straps on the blankets were cut. That is so trifling. <laughs> it's just wrong. In those situations, did anybody ever stick up for you? No. Like, did anybody who knew what was going on, did they ever call other people out or hold them accountable to what they were doing and saying? No, no. Um, you know, and, and not even like the woman who, you know, the farm in Arizona, the woman who owned, the, you know, who was a trainer, she had cancer, she was in the hospital. She had gotten another trainer in there to um, take her place while she was, you know, covering. And she's the one who put the call in that, you know, I needed to leave. And then they changed the locks with my stuff in the in the back room. Oh my god! So goodness. that I couldn't get in the back room. And I'm like, you know what? I've got two weeks to be here. You don't want me around your kids. Guess what? You're that's the only option I have. Is because the only time I can come here is when you are here with the kids, because she only that you know that was the only the so I'm like so guess what that's what what's happening, and um, and then the when the woman found out just how nasty these kids and these people were, um, she never apologized. She just like you know the next time I saw her she like was hugging me and I'm like whatever. And then the trainer who kicked me out 
at um, a banquet. It was like, oh, hi, Jill, we missed you. How are you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and then the here, the trainer here, when I told him about the guy at helmet, you know, he asked one of the guys that worked for him if, you know, you know, if it was intentional. And he's, you know, the, the guy who worked for him said, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty obvious that it was intentional. And um, he's the one who's, when I told him about it, instead of saying, you know, that's not acceptable, we should have a bar meeting and talk about how to treat people, um, you should probably move your horses. Wow. But, you know, and when I see, I still see them at shows. And when I see them at shows, this is funny because um, the lesson instructor and her little minions, they glare um, at me. <laughs> and there's one, one, you know, there's a couple of people from that barn that still talk to me and they're, you know, they're friendly and a couple of the kids. But, you know, it was kind of this, they kind of talk to me sheepishly, like they're not supposed to, but they do anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, Rainer, he doesn't, he just kind of like, hi, but his wife is usually pretty friendly. Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's out there. That is amazing. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's amazing and it's, it's disappointing yeah. because we like to think that, you know, all of us were in it for the horses and for the experience and, you know, I know when I show, I'm, I'm not trying to really be better than other people I, you know I'm I'm trying to show as best for myself you know yeah yeah uh, yeah, I'm, yeah always appreciative of how other people do and everything you know and, and that's the thing you know what I yeah it's funny because I look at you know I, I belong to some saddlebred groups and you know the the other thing and it, it's you know we know we have a president that is um who he is and, you know, the, the, you know, within the saddlebred industry, I've seen a lot of racist stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, I was kind of oblivious to people, certain people being racist, but then you see racist stuff and it's pretty blatant racist stuff. Um, you know, I, yeah, I have this. Thing. It's funny. <laughs> well, or they, they really believe this stuff. I, you know, and it's funny because there was one I was commenting on about a statue of a, a general um, in the Civil War, Confederacy, Confederate general. This, he also founded the Saddlebred Association. Mm-hmm. And he's not in uniform, but the plaque, the, there's two plaques. One's about his Saddlebred stuff and the other one's about his Civil War honors and everything. And um, people were discussing it. And you know, I, my thing is, you know, fine, you know, take the Civil War plaque down and leave the saddlebred plaque up. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I don't have a problem with the statue. I have a problem with honoring him as a Civil War general in the Confederacy. They lost. And, you know, it was interesting because some woman got on and, you know, she started commenting and kind of attacking me. And she was proud of her Southern heritage. I'm like, why? Um, <laughs> but, you know, to, but you know where other people were commenting she in and saying things and like really some were because I, I kind of try to stay above the fray and be really polite even when people are being stupid so yeah. I was you know, just using facts and other people were like verbally abusing her and she ignored all of them and was just going after me yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a target. And so, you know, you see that, it, it, you know, it's that kind of stuff. You see that and it, it's just this, you know, I don't know what people expect, but it, you know, that it was interesting, you know, like I said, with showing walking horses, yeah, I might've been the only black female in the ring, but people were out there watching my horse. Yeah. And that was, you know, the way it should be. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, a lot of these people, you know, it's, it's been such a tight knit closed society to some extent where if there were black people showing, they were trainers and grooms and, you know, taking care of their horses that they kind of have this expectation that we're not equals and yeah. we don't really belong. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that, you know, you, you know, I have the job to pay for it. They don't, they don't take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're undeserving. Yeah. And they don't under, yeah. It's like, how do you as a groom not calculate the fact that I make, than you a lot more money than you i'm an engineer you know yeah and and it's just it's a it's common sense but they don't get past that yeah their expectation based on race and then there's a resentment for it Mm -hmm. yes oh my goodness that's that's a whole nother episode (laughs) (laughs) we have have all back for a part two All right, so let's switch gears a little bit to some happy things. So how has having horses and riding, how has that improved your life? It's, it's I don't have to go to a psychiatrist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. You know, I am, um, you know, I, the other, you know, riding is very, you know, segregated kind of, and, 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 you know, we are definitely the minority. Well, I'm a female, African-American female uh, biomedical engineer working in the medical device industry, which is very white male dominated. It makes it very stressful. I was, you know, after I lost this last job, I got fired and after, you know, and it was for, because of, you know, discrimination and hostility and stuff like that. You know, because God forbid, I might know things they don't know. And, you know, I, I've, so my, my job in itself is a function of just stress. It, it's just stressful. And, you know, I looked at the stats after I lost this job and the majority of minorities and women leave the profession completely, the discipline completely because of hostile work environments, discrimination, et cetera. So I made it, I'm still doing it. Um, But riding is my psychiatrist. It's just like, and I've met some great people and I have friends, you know, most of my friends um, are horse people, so. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. So do you have like a particular vision for the future as far as kind of showing your horses or, or what else you want to do with them? Any goals that you have for them? So, yeah, I, so my, I have, you know, um, as I said earlier, the horses that I've got, most of them are horses that people did not want. Um, for whatever uh, other reason, for whatever reason. And um, I have um, a horse that took me over a year to get. I, he had been auctioned off in, um, at the Saddlebird auction in the fall. 
Mm-hmm. I bit on him. He got bought by the Amish. I bit against a woman in the parking lot to get him from the Amish. And she ended up outbidding me. And I had told the woman bidding for me, I said, you know, can you, if she doesn't want him, have her contact me. She, like, less than a year was trying to get rid of him. So she contacted me. We tried to work out a deal. She didn't take it. And then I saw her, him in the sale book. And so I bid on him a second time and ended up with him. When I had him transported to, and I could tell he had issues. When I had him called to Arizona, my trainer, she was terrified of him. So I sent him to a trainer in California um, who was doing pretty well with them, um, moved him to Texas, and his girlfriend was terrified of him riding her. So then he became terrified of him. Oh, my goodness. Um, right. So I had him moved up to Kentucky, and the trainer I have him with is doing great with him. He was supposed to show at Louisville this year, but because of my not having a job and everything made it kind of hard. <laughs> so... Um, the, the goal is for him to show there next year and for me to be showing him next year. I've been riding him, but no one thought that I would be able to ride him just because if trainers are terrified of him, why would they think that I could ride him? Right. Um, but I've been riding him. And, you know, so the goal is to show him, you know, for me to show him and then also for him to show at Louisville. That's awesome. Yeah. He's absolutely beautiful. So you have to tell us how did you come up with the magician? curry wash because when I saw that I was just like that is something that I need in my life (laughs) (laughs) um okay this is so I have as a matter of fact I don't know if you've heard the barking but Cody's my third Norwegian elk hound and Norwegian elk hounds are double coated dogs um they are they're super fluffy yeah so the one that I had before Charlie you know because I've worked and traveled and stuff you know, I, I've, when I go on a trip, I put them with, in a kennel, they bathe them, and, and so I have clean dogs all the time. Well, Charlie, I moved out to the country in Tennessee, and farm dogs get dirty, <laughs> get very dirty. And I had never had to bathe them before, and so the first time I tried to bathe, Charlie was a disaster, and I was soaking wet. He was not clean completely because I could, he was like running from the hose mm. and I could get his belly. And, you know, you, it's like you try to wet him down and elk hounds, if you wet, try to wet them down and then they shake, they're not wet anymore. Right. Because that, right. that, you know, undercoat, you have to get that wet and they shake and it just, the water's gone. It was in this moment that our audio cut off. So stay tuned for part two, where we talk about advice for late bloomers in the horse industry. But yeah, well, congratulations on your, um, your licensing, you know, it'll be cool to learn a little bit about that, that whole process. Cause you know, everybody's kind of into the entrepreneurship game, including myself. Um, so it would be interesting to learn kind of how, how that comes about from, you know, designing a product or coming up with this idea, you know, designing mm-hmm. and then kind of getting into manufacturing and production that's pretty cool yeah it is it's I mean you know know, for me it's just kind of what I do for a living so it makes it really easy um but it is you know it's that's why I love what I do so what what advice 
have for those late bloomers, those people who, you know, always wanted to ride a horse as a kid, just, you know, still have that passion for it, you know, whether the kids just left the house, empty nesters, or anybody who is, you know, not growing up in this, in this environment like me and Caitlin have. Right. You know, I think a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's, there are people who have a passion for it and then there are people who just don't care. And if you, if you have the passion for it, you're going to, you know, going to really, um, it's never going to go away. And so it's finding a, you know, a good barn, talk to people. You know, I, I try to tell people that, you know, try different disciplines because people end up in the discipline that's easiest for them to get to a lot of the time. Right. So, you know, I rode saddle seat because I had an assistant dean, associate dean that had a saddle bread barn. Mm-hmm. Um, I rode other disciplines. I will always go back to saddle breads. I love my walking horses, but I love saddle breads. And it's, you know, it's because of my personality and everything else associated with saddle breads and me. I showed, you know, I've shown dressage. I've shown a lot of different things and, and, you know, it's just try different things to find out where you are most comfortable and what your passion is That's awesome. and definitely work with someone, you know, people, yeah, I always get nervous. My college, well, college boyfriend, he said, yeah, he was going to um, retire soon and buy a ranch in Arizona and get horses. I'm like, um, I wouldn't start there, <laughs> you know? Right. Because it's, it's a big investment. It's a lot of work and a lot of discipline for you and the horses. I see so many people get into it, not knowing what to expect and not knowing what it takes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how old you are you know, work with, you know, you know, take some lessons at a dressage barn, take some lessons at a jumping barn or hunter barn, take some lessons, you know, at a, a uh, barn that does Western pleasure, take some lessons at, and, and just kind of feel out the different areas and find out where you're comfortable. I think that is solid advice. There's only the only other thing, because one of the things that I've noticed too, when you do that, a lot of barns are catering more to kids. And yeah, I don't know, it's this, this mom, soccer mom, horse mom, mean girl stuff. And my whole thing is just don't let other people dictate your passion. Um, find the right environment for you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like I said, I was in a barn down the street. It was a lesson factory and there were all these mothers. And, and you know, it was just, it's not the same as like my barn in Kentucky. And it's got kids and adults, um, but it's a smaller barn. It's very family oriented and everyone's very supportive of each other. And so, you know, you might go end up a barn. Don't let that dictate, you know, whether you do it or not, you know, find the right environment if it's really your passion. Right. Or when they're faced with any kind of challenge or adversity or, you know, anything difficult when they're just trying to get into something, they, go, mm-hmm. they automatically say, oh, this must not be for me. You know, I didn't know right. it was going to be like this, but, you know, if you, you do have to put your foot in different waters, um, just to see kind of what fits for you. Yeah. So whether it's a discipline and even within a discipline, a barn, because different barns have different environments. Yeah. And different trainers, you know? Yep. 
Some people yeah. are, are, I mean, that's, that's like with professors or with teachers, like some people are able to explain things better than others. And some trainers are only used to working with people who already have some kind of idea of how to ride, you know? So you just, <laughs> I, I can, the funny story about that, I had a trainer in Minnesota and bless his heart. It was funny. <laughs> his communication skills were special. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it, but he was a great trainer and it was, you know, for me, every trainer I've had has, has been one of those who, you know, yells, and I prefer that because I want to correct whatever I'm doing wrong right away. I, I don't want you. That's good. That's good. Raise your hand up a half an inch. That's good. That's that drives me up a wall. Yeah. Um, I want yeah. to, you know, do this, do this, bump them back, do this, but you know, whatever, you know, and so, uh, you know, there are women who like, they never want to take a lesson from Tom. It's like, I'm, I'm not paying to be talked to like that. I'm like, um, yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting anything from Carrie, um, his wife, because she was, you know, one of those, you know, that's good. That's good. That's good. You're paying the results. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so I started riding with Tom and got a lot better. And Tom was tough. You know, he had me, there was one horse that we had in the barn that to canter him, if you were too stiff, you were riding a pogo stick. If you were too relaxed in the saddle, he would drop out of the canter. And so you had to find a sweet stop spot. And I had a lesson where for a half an hour, he had me cantering this horse in circles and then reversing and cantering in circles, like for 30 minutes, cantering in circles. And, um, and he was yelling at me the whole time. And then when I got off, he said, great job. I've never seen a horse, anyone ride that horse that well. well and that's what I watch, <laughs> you know? And then there are people who want to carry. And so it's, it's the, find the people that fit for you yeah. is important. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Completely agree. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I know Lillian's going to be like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, so she loves PJ. I don't know if she's told you about PJ, my stallion. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, when I, so Lillian was that person to me when I showed Maestro as a two-year-old, because mm -hmm. I just wanted to, I mean, we were just, going out there to not die like I wasn't expecting anything really he had only been ridden for like a month so we <laughs> state fair just happened to come around so we decided to go to state fair but after that she's like oh my gosh you have got to follow this lady da, 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 da. she's got a stallion walking horse da, 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 and blah, blah blah and guess what she's black <laughs> okay well you know I'm here for everybody black so I guess I'll add her yeah. as a Facebook friend. <laughs> Yeah, she, she was at that one of the shows where these people were so to me that like, and, and I was certainly not supposed to be talking to her. I got yelled at on the way back to from Ohio to Wisconsin. I got yelled at the who I talked to and I can't talk to this person. And it was funny because after the show, Lily and I, Lillian went out with my cousin and I had a dinner. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not supposed to talk to her, but guess what? She's a lot nicer than you people. So. But she loves PJ. She, she's like, he's a rock star. He, that's a rock star. And PJ thinks he is. He's beautiful. And he thinks he, he's. <laughs> he knows it. <laughs> he knows it. 
And he's so funny because he's really short. He's, un, you know, I showed him 15, two and under, padded. Mm-hmm. And, and he, but people think that he's big because of the way he carries himself. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, she'll, she'll, she's just tell her, tell her I said hi and give her a hug for me. Thank you for listening to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time.